Hey everyone, welcome again to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast, where we talk about the movies off of the 200 best horror movies of all time list, which is a rotten to me. I, we've been doing this, this is like the 10th episode, 9th episode, and I still can't figure out how to say that. <laughs> I need to just write it out somewhere, that makes sense. Yeah, anyway. we need some sort of opening script. Yeah. My name is Clay, and with me, as always, is Amanda. Amanda, how are you doing? Oh, I mean, I'm fine. If you take into account, you know, the global pandemic and everything that's happening in the world, I'm mm-hmm. fine. Just, no, don't say. Knows? Don't say, because then that dates when this podcast came out. <laughs> Unless you want to make it a object of record, in which case, yes, we're all in the middle of isolation at the moment. Well, I just, I feel like it's a little... uh you know, we we have some some quite a backlog at this point of episodes mm. we haven't quite released yet. So, well, it's going to be like funny. It's, it's going to be funny when this comes out because I'm sure <laughs> because everything will be back, back to, normal. to normal, and we'll just be like day day 37 of isolation. Can't you yeah. all relate to it? <laughs> anyway, uh, the movie that we are talking about today is a movie from 1999 or 2000 or 2001, depending on where you're looking at. A movie mm. called Ginger Snaps. Canadian werewolf movie. It's number 131 on the Rotten Tomato 200 Best Horror Movies list with 89%, an adjusted rating of 90.189%. Um, had you, have you seen this one before? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, quite some time ago. Yeah. Yes. Is this movie about you? Because I saw I, I saw both of these characters and I was like, I feel like Amanda identifies with both of these girls. Uh yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I think found I... myself in it as well. I found myself yeah. in the, the fat kid in the hockey equipment playing with the dog. <laughs> so it's a movie for every, that everyone can kind of uh, You can just everyone can find something to relate to in this film. Hmm. Um I had seen this a long time ago. Um I have I think I I haven't watched it since. I think I only watched it maybe like jeez. I I usually say 10 years ago, but now I'm past that mark with most things. Yeah. So I would say, I don't know, 15, 20 years. Oh god. 15, <laughs> let's say 15 so I don't <laughs> so you feel better about yeah, it. So I don't feel that old. Um yourself? Yeah, I I think for me it was probably 15 or 16 years ago in in all seriousness and I mm. was in high school. Um, and yeah, there are some things in this movie that I was doing myself before I watched (laughs) the girls in this movie. And then when I watched this movie, I was just like, this is fucking bullshit. I don't like this. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes. (laughs) You had the, it's too real response. It was too real. It was like, yeah, I had painted my bedroom walls like dark purple and had like weird black and white photographs all over them. And Mm -hmm. like war bones as jewelry which i still do and when i watched this i was just like fucking hollywood god damn it yeah you went through the uh most sacred of childhood into adulthood rights when mm-hmm. you with being when you find out that you are not special yes uh, and there yes. are other people who do the like the things that you like <laughs> and that it's obvious enough that there is a movie being made yes yeah yeah <laughs> Uh yeah, this was one uh for me where I had seen this advertised on a few different uh VHSs or DVDs or something and it it, it was mm-hmm. I think it might have been on uh, a trailer on a video for like a really crappy movie. So I just <laughs> assumed this was also a crappy movie. Yeah, uh, this this movie falls victim to the same sort of marketing that I feel like a lot of horror movies in this period did, which is bad marketing. Yeah, yeah. I when I was cutting together the American Psycho episode, mm. I watched I watched the trailer for American Psycho and I was like this is a really weird trailer for this movie and it feels like one of those movies that they didn't quite know how to sell. Yeah. Um yeah, so I can imagine a, it being a difficult that one specifically being a difficult one to put together like promotional material for. Yeah. This one on the other hand seems like it should be a slam dunk. I mean, it's Yeah. Werewolf coming of age story about two, you know, adolescent girls. Seems like it should sell itself, but Yeah. Anyway, so uh uh why don't you <laughs> listen to that trailer and then in a couple minutes we'll be back and we'll talk about the movie. 
for two sisters. Together forever. United against life as we know it. With an appetite for the macabre. I'm slitting my throat. You should definitely hang. All it takes is one night. And one bite. Let's get out of here. Dog, maybe. Did I change last night? Howl at the moon. Ginger's changing. How do you feel? Wicked. They're just being normal teenage girls. She's gone. Ginger snaps and bites. And we're almost not even related anymore. Okay, Ginger Snaps. Directed by John Fawcett. Written by Karen Walton. Starring Emily Perkins, Catherine Isabel, Mimi Rogers, and a cute but slightly creepy old man janitor. Amanda, what happens in this movie? The story of two outcast sisters, Ginger and Bridget, in the mindless suburban town of Bailey Downs. On the night of Ginger's first period, she is savagely attacked by a wild creature. Ginger's wounds miraculously heal, but something is not quite right. Now Bridget must save her sister and save herself. Things you'll find in this movie include... Uh, what do I have? Uh, egregious late 90s styling. Mm-hmm. Premenstrual lycanthropy, mm-hmm. questionable parenting, as always, and cherry hunters. Yeah, which is really <laughs> the worst really phrase gross. in the English language. And not just a not just a snappy uh, snappy ska band from the nineties. Um, <laughs> so uh, uh, the most uh, shocking thing that I, I I took from this movie is that apparently. You can bring a dog to school in Canada, like, <laughs> r- regularly, like a big dog. Hey, I've seen that episode of The Simpsons. It's a, it, I think it was a, uh, every, once a month they get a, a bring your dog to school to serve plot motivation day. Yeah, bring your Rottweiler to the parking yeah, it's lot. Not, it's not even like a, a Chihuahua. It's like, a, I don't know where she put that dog. During the day, did she keep it in a car or was it like, did she bring it into class? Clearly. I, I, I have so many questions about how school works in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Clearly, I focused on the important things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I, I was just caught up on what are those dudes doing sitting in the bleachers watching the girls have gym class? Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. do they like? Why do they get to just sit there? I feel like that's a movie staple, though. Uh, it, there's for some reason that always happens. It's always like but, girls sitting in the bleachers, like gossiping, or uh, you know, the guys from Greece talking about what happened over <laughs> summer vacation or something. But usually, it's when they're doing like their after school activity. Mm. This was very like she literally Bridget literally runs up to Sam at one point and is like, "Are you high right now? I'm in class. You can't yes. be here." So yeah. it's very explicitly like during the school day. It's yeah. like fifth period or something. Yeah, I feel like it's it's one of those <laughs> things where uh, people who write movies about high school, it's been so long since they've been in high school, they kind of forget how it mm. works. Um, mm-hmm. Although it was a very different time. Maybe that was totally fine back then. I don't know. Also Canada. Ago. Also Canada, yes. Um, but yeah, this is a uh, a werewolf movie where they've uh, taken the uh, horrors of growing up, specifically <laughs> as a girl, I guess. Which, yes. Uh, very horrible. Um, Absolutely. And used it as a uh, metaphor, and I don't know what the other word would be, but a, a metaphor, for, or I should say used the werewolfism as a meta- metaphor for growing up and, and, and uh, adolescence and stuff. 
Yeah. And um, it it what the first time I saw it, my initial thought was, huh. I've I've seen movies where they they use the werewolf stuff uh, as a uh, analog for growing up, like they've done it in Teen Wolf. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a very very good puberty metaphor. Yeah, it to, actually to, watching watching this movie and Teen Wolf back to back would actually I think be a really good look at the <laughs> difference probably... how people view guys growing up and how people view girls growing up. Yeah, or, you know, because yeah. in Teen Wolf. <laughs> Becoming a werewolf and is like the best thing that happens to him in the movie. Like, oh, yeah. He, it only, school, his whole social life only improves when he becomes a werewolf. And in this one, it's very much not that. And it's very much terrifying. And it's not just, oh, hey, you can slam dunk a basketball from the, from the uh, center court line now. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um, and they've done it. There was a movie in the fifties called "I Was a Teenage Werewolf," uh, which was not quite as on the nose, I don't think, as the, as t- uh, Teen Wolf in this one. But mm. I think this is the first time where they've uh, linked the werewolf idea mythology of once a month when there's a full yeah. moon, your body goes through a really horrifying change. Yeah, you're in a lot of pain and you yeah. lash out. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the first time they've put those two things together, the werewolf and the uh and the uh period cycle. And I'm surprised. It feels like it's it makes too much sense almost. I wa- I wonder if like historically in you know the the way that like women were accused of being witches be- when they were mm-hmm. like speaking out of turn or they knew something about medicine, like witch, kill her. Um, I, w- I wonder what the correlation is with, with women and, and, uh, like being accused of being a, a werewolf of some sort, if there's some sort of like historical or literary background that we're just ignorant about. Oh, I'm and sure, the- I'm sure menstruation is like the, the, the core concept uh, that most monsters are based off of because the people making those monsters are men and they don't understand what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, interestingly Fair. enough, however. Uh, and put my trivia hat on. The modern, the idea of the werewolf as something that happens in a full moon once a month, uh, mm. is only it was created for the movie The Wolfman. The guy who wrote, really? Wolf, yeah, the guy who wo- wrote Wolfman created that entire set uh, backstory and mythology. The uh, once a month, the full moon actually the full moon thing actually came later. The full moon actually wasn't part of the original thing. Um, and the can only be killed by silver. That's all a original creation for Universal Studios as the Wolfman. And it was so convincing and has been used for everything else since then. That's just understood as how werewolves work. And it's just the assumption that's that's how werewolves in history and mythology work. But I don't wow. think that's actually the case. Huh. That that's really interesting. That's that's sort of like Yeah, I, I I guess I can see why that would carry over to other like films and and works of art and stuff because it's such a complete mythology. Like mm-hmm. like it, it sets up enough rules and enough structure that it feels very legitimate. <laughs> it's not just like, oh, we're going to try and shoehorn in the 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 full moon thing. It's like, right. no, there's full moon and there's silver and there's this rule and this rule. Like it's it's enough stuff that it feels very like, well, somebody somebody established this over time. Yeah, it's very convincing. <laughs> it's very uh they definitely looked at what they had done with vampires for Dracula or mm. uh, yeah, I would say Dracula. Um and how there was like a set of rules of ways you could kill Dracula and yeah. took that and put it and took a similar idea and put it onto the werewolf. And it's like, oh, yeah, OK, that makes sense. But huh. um, none of those things apply in this movie because this is a very different werewolf <laughs> movie that um, it generally werewolf movies involve a transformation back and forth. But this one seems to be a one way street. Yeah, I I actually had some questions about that where I, I'm I don't I don't know if they needed to really get into it in the movie, but like during the movie I was left wondering, is this a one-way street? Like mm. do you become this sort of creature and then you're just this creature 
forever and you never change back or do, do you do the monthly back and forth thing and when well, you transform or, or, or do you keep aspects of your human mind and personality or are you just a mindless beast yeah it seems to be uh it seems to be more of a one-way street because the, the the interesting thing that they seem to do here is uh even though it makes sense to do the uh once a month correlation between you know having your period and being a werewolf they mm-hmm. that's it's it's not so much that as much as it's just a analog for like puberty in general yeah you know cuz it's yeah. not th- what i found uh, anyway is that this movie feels less like a movie about uh isn't it crazy how it's uh it's almost like when you get your period you turn into a werewolf and it's more about two sisters who are very close growing apart mm-hmm. because one of them starts growing up faster than the other one and they ultimately have to uh uh go their separate ways uh unfortunately through very violent means <laughs> yeah and and i think even if you are looking to sort of extend the the puberty metaphor it still works even with the like lycanthropy like lycanthropy lycanthropy i can't say it sure even the werewolfism mm-hmm. <laughs> it works uh as a metaphor because when you go through puberty you don't change back right right like once you get your period you're you're barring a medical event mm-hmm. or when you get much much older you, that's it you have it now well it's like, like what does the uh the nurse at school say she's like yeah oh God, so it's that nurse. like that once a month for uh 30 years so <laughs> enjoy <laughs> yeah i i mean i i don't know if i want to jump straight into this right right away but mm-hmm. i am gonna mention the the, the adults in this film mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so many of them felt like intensely creepy mm-hmm. and like 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 intensely creepy in their interest in like ooh like what are the girls doing like what are the sisters doing like oh she has her period ooh like yeah. there's just a lot of like kind of ogling and i don't mean that in like a sexual way i just mean there there's a weird almost inappropriate focus mm. on like you know, now you're a young woman. Right. And the mom like strokes her hair and it's like, what the fuck? Well, that's, that's why I think that the, the analog is, is a lot more, um, appropriate to just puberty in general, because it, Mm. it, it seems to be more focused on that stuff, uh, in a way that I think is, it is very creepy, but it's not inaccurate. You know, it's like that, Part that time in a person's life is very much mm. uh you become self conscious about it uh because a lot of other people point it out and it makes you feel weird and stuff it's like you know uh yeah. you, you start growing hair in weird places or something, and someone's like, ah, you know hairy back or something <laughs> you know when you're turning into a werewolf um but you you know what I mean where it's like it's it's very much yeah. a it's it's very much something that is everybody seems to be waiting for it to happen. And so yeah. it becomes a point of of sticking on once it once it does or or if it doesn't for that matter. Yeah, you're right. And there there is sometimes this weird um I guess weird's not the right word because it's probably very common where it, it it's sort of like I don't know if it's maybe subconsciously like when you're an adult you're just so relieved it's not you anymore. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're a little bit just like, oh man, you're dealing with that now, huh? Like, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know, but I definitely I read that in in the the behavior of a lot of the adults towards uh, Ginger and Bridget. Yeah, and I I think also for for Ginger and Bridget specifically, there is the added thing of being girls of a certain age surrounded mm-hmm. by all of those. Uh, not just men, but primarily men, there is a, you feel in this movie how they have eyes on them all the time. 
and yeah. how there's always someone kind of saying something either snide or you know lewd or something or it's it's very much a constant um that uh i assume is how it's like in real life but which yep. is really unfortunate yep. <laughs> especially when you're a teenage girl like right like- right when you're i think when you're a woman in general in society it's sort of a lingering thing that happens to you until you hit a certain age when you're no longer like sexually desirable um Mm -hmm. and then you become invisible which i i for one i'm looking forward to (laughs) um (laughs) but uh no because when you're when you're a teenage girl not only are your male peers staring at you but other girls are staring at you mm-hmm. because you're all comparing yourself to each other. And like, if you feel like you're behind the curve, like I think both there, they say at some point in the movie that um, both Ginger and Bridget, despite being 16 and 15 respectively, neither one of them have had their periods yet. Right. Right. So it's very, that's very late. Mm. That's like, that's like years late. Um, and so I, I can imagine, you know, you feel extra self-conscious because you know, you're behind. Right. Like, like it, I don't know if it's worse to be the first girl in your year that gets her period or the last, right. but like right. those, those are, those are the hard positions. If, if you are in one of those spots, you're really screwed. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I also thought it was interesting. I kind of, uh, this movie had two sequels. And as far as I, yeah, as far as I know, they don't really get into this, but I thought some, and it's not really what it's about. So I understand, but I found it very interesting how they handled the, uh, the boy getting the werewolf disease because it's, it's very different. (laughs) It is very different. He's got like essentially like, uh, like syphilis. (laughs) Yeah. He gets, uh, aside from pissing blood. Uh, he starts like his face starts breaking out in weird yeah, giant he pimples, gets horrible pimples, and he gets really aggressive. And it's like mm-hmm. it, it clearly, like I said, it's not the focus of the movie, so it's not something they go into. But they clearly scrape the surface of like, all right, what would be the male version of this? Uh, and unlike Teen Wolf, where it's the coolest thing that could happen, in this one, it's like it's the <laughs> it's the ugly side of male puberty, where it's just. Mm-hmm. zits and aggression and you know X, <laughs> bullying y, small boys which in is the funniest Dalmatian costume. you know this movie is pretty well done and it, it hides the fact that it's a really low budget movie really well i think it mm-hmm. looks great um yeah. for the most part i think i think the 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 werewolf stuff is charmingly bad like, it's not terrible. It's not so bad that it takes me out of the movie. You know, it's like, okay, I get it. Lower budget movie. They're doing what they can. I think it's effective. It's fine. And there's a couple things where, uh, where they do actually think it, it works really well. Like when they're, uh, she's in the car with the, with the kid and she starts like wolfing out and they do this oh, yeah. really cool thing with her back where she like arches into the light and it looks like her spine is like starting to get spiky. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah, there's there's definitely some really good sort of uh monster transformation moments. Mm. Um I I really liked when when Ginger's in the back of the van and she goes full werewolf. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Like that the the, the different shots and the way it's cut and the darkness and the light on her. I thought that was really well done. When you see her in full werewolf form, I was a, I was a little let down. Yeah, it's a little it's a little silly. It's but again, it's like at that point in the movie, I think what makes it a great movie is that by that point in the movie, for me anyway, I was all in with mm-hmm. those characters, so I could kind of overlook the fact that it was a less than ideal special effect. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I do. I think the thing that really threw me is that werewolf ginger still has boobs. Well, I mean, you gotta. <laughs> like, I, I think that, you know, maybe taking that out, like, mm-hmm. maybe removing the noticeable breasts. I'm not saying no nipples. Mammals have <laughs> nipples. That's fine. But, like, do we need to have boobs on a werewolf? Yeah. 
Well, I did like the the inverse of that when she's all like th- halfway to three quarter werewolf, and she goes to the drug dealer's mm-hmm. place, and she mm. starts to like take her shirt off, and she's got like four nipples on her chest. Yeah, <laughs> that that was good. Yeah, that was good. That that I'm all for. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think for the most part, it it covers its it hides how low budget it is for the most part except there's that one scene where they it feels like it was either added later or it was just something where they had to shoot it really quick it's when the 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 kid who's turning into the the boy who's turning into the werewolf is like harassing that little child and it's just he's stand they're standing like in the open of a field and he's just he's just grabbing him by the shoulders and just shaking Just like, ah, ah. It's so weirdly set up. And you catch the joke there, right? That the little boy is dressed as a dog. I actually did not catch that. That's pretty funny. (laughs) It was really funny. It's really, really funny. It's like, for some reason, everyone in this town has has a dog. And for some reason, everyone who's becoming a werewolf cannot stop killing dogs. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's one thing. If you haven't seen this movie and you are sensitive to dog death, don't watch this movie. Yeah, no, I I was very glad that I remembered that a lot of dogs die in this mm-hmm. because a lot of dogs die in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that scene, it's like the rest of the movie looks pretty professional. That one scene looks like mm-hmm. I shot it in my backyard. You know, <laughs> it's obviously you yeah. can't win them all, but um yeah, I think I think it's pretty a pretty good uh I think they do a, a lot with what they're given and, and a lot with what they had. Um, the st- uh, the special effects, like we said, they're they're not bad. They kind of they kind of go. They have their ups and their downs. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think the story is just really strong, and those two characters mm. and their relationships are are just strong enough that it kind of it carries you through everything else really well. Yeah, and and the acting is really good in this. It is, yes. Like the main, the lead actors are are, are really impressive. I think. Yeah, um, um, she uh, Ginger in real life actually four years younger than Bridget. Wow. Yeah. Unexpected, and that's what being a teen girl is like. <laughs> uh, also, trivia corner: Bridget is. Uh, did you ever? See, you know the uh, the TV adaptation of It from not, like nineteen ninety. With oh, uh, I, Tim Curry, this this is one. Yeah, this is one that I have not seen. And really, it makes everyone it, see. It makes everyone angry wow. that I have not seen it. That's a quintessential childhood trauma. Is watching that movie. Uh, I don't know yeah, if it holds up anymore. But anyway, she plays Beverly Marsh in in that one. Oh, good. I like that. That's good casting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Uh, how long of a time period does this movie take place over? Because I really could not track when it was supposed to take place. I I could not. I think it's supposed to be. Well, well she has a calendar. Remember? like, So she, she gets the calendar, the free calendar that comes with the box of tampons. Oh, that's right. Yes. <laughs> and Bridget's marking off the days uh, under a blanket at night. Right. Um, from when this whole thing starts. So I think the movie begins in like mid to late September. Mm-hmm. And then I know, I know because it's obvious about it, it, it ends on Halloween. Right, right. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting because it, it seems to me, like I thought that that Halloween stuff kind of came out of nowhere. Um, it just seemed like it was coming to the end of the movie and they were like, oh, there's a Halloween party happening. Where... <laughs> It, I feel like usually the way that you would handle that stuff is Halloween is sort of like your 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 for lack of a better term your 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 ticking timer. So mm. uh, the she gets bit and starts changing, like you said, late September. But they're already like talking about Halloween, or it's like they're getting ready for this dance or not this dance, but like this party that's going to happen or whatever. Yeah, there's there's usually some sort of like chatter yeah about it so like it's yeah and there's usually like decorations around in the weeks leading up it's not like halloween just like we wake up on 
the last day of October, put up all our decorations, have Halloween for a day, and then take them down. Yeah, I mean, if you're a normal person, you put up your Halloween decorations at the end of August, and you take them down <laughs> at the end of November. Yeah. Um, or you don't take them down. Yeah, or that too, yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it, I feel like it, it's, they, um, it feels like they almost missed a little bit of an of a opportunity to have that Halloween party be sort of like the thing that, the thing it was driving to. So, like, mm-hmm. her showing up at the Halloween party as the werewolf was a, ha, could have a little bit more tension yeah. there instead of it just yeah. sort of being a thing. And what happens to the mom? Like, the mom... I wondered, I wondered the same thing. So, all right, I want to I say a couple things in response to the things you brought up. Uh, that I agree completely that I think having Halloween is more of this, like, um, like climactic moment. Mm-hmm. In a more like you know, with more more hints and more things leading up to it, and then having her show up full werewolf at the party yeah. and like kill a bunch of people would have been great. Yeah, <laughs> like I would have been for that. Um, I understand that they're probably their their special effects and like gore budget just couldn't handle it. Sure, um, sure, yeah. So I'll give it to them for that. And then, yeah, I mean, so the mom, the mom as a character, I kind of want to talk about her, like, more than just what happens to her, because we don't know, and I wish we yeah. did. Um, I found her so grating and so annoying at first. <laughs> and then as the movie goes on, you're sort of like, oh, well, she's she's really not that bad like she's trying to be there for her daughters and she doesn't really know how and sh- and she knows that like ginger and bridget's relationship is not healthy mm-hmm. um and she knows that but she's also smart enough to know that like the best way to make sure that your teenage daughters don't do something is to tell them to do it uh because they're gonna immediately want to ignore you right right um and so she she's like naive and, and kind of ignorant of what, what they're doing and what they're going through for so much of the movie. But then I love the scene where she finds um the dead girl's fingers. Yes. In the backyard mm-hmm. and like plays it off to the to the dad, like, oh come on, you wimp. Obviously they're fake. They're from the girls are doing more of their death death photos, like it's just oh come on get get over it mm-hmm. and then she like puts them in the tupperware container and you kind of see like the way it's shot you see her sort of like struggling just to close it mm-hmm. and then she puts it away and she leans back against the fridge and you can tell from her face and the way she exhales that she knows like she's seen the dead body she knows the fingers are real like and and yet her reaction is like oh okay i'm going to go get my daughters and uh, I'm going to figure this out. And mm-hmm. that might entail blowing up the house <laughs> yes. and running away. Uh, but I'm going to protect, like, like she's not as, like, wimpy and, like, limp noodled like, PTA mom as right. she comes off. Like, right. there's something more interesting in that character than, like, you know, she's not just disgusted and horrified and like, oh, my God, what have you done? Like, yeah. she's willing to risk her entire life to kind of get her daughters out of whatever trouble they've gotten themselves into. And I find that a lot more interesting and a lot more relatable Mm -hmm. that when you're a teenager, you know, your parents seem like extraordinarily lame and uh, annoying. And then as you get older, you start to realize like, Oh shit, (laughs) they did a lot of things for me and they're actually not that bad. And maybe they do know some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think the mom is a really uh, unique characterization of a mom in a in a in a story like this because because uh, of all the reasons that you're saying where it's she's uh the way she is played or written is that um she's embarrassing but she's she's she is very well meaning and it's just the stuff that she's doing is a little over the top for for ginger and bridget who are both at that point where they're like no fuck you mom uh get out of the bathroom uh, <laughs> it's 
And what I really like is they double down on it where they, like you were saying, where they don't have her recoil once she finds out what her, what her daughters have done. She doubles down on it and she's like, well, I guess we're going to have to blow the house up. Yeah. You know, or, she or something. She's so ready. She's so yeah. ready to blow that house up, leave her husband, and like start a new life somewhere else. She's like definitely been fantasizing about that. Yeah. It's like, you know, the the interesting thing about this movie is I think you could draw a lot of comparisons to Carrie, probably. Um Yeah. I think the main difference is that the family dynamic in this is a lot more uh normal. And I would even say positive than yeah. in Carrie, because again, the the mom and the dad they're not they're not bad people. They're not you know beating them and keeping them in the closet. They're just <laughs> trying to navigate having two kind of weird dark daughters <laughs> who are teenagers. Yeah, you know? especially as those parents, like the very bland kind of nondescript dad. Yeah. Oh, I identify uh, with the dad big time. Where like <laughs> they would say the weirdest shit and they would just turn to the dad and he'd just be like, "Huh. Okay." <laughs> well, yeah, so you have you have that dad and then you have this mom with her like homemade um decals on her sweaters and her like little curled like side bangs and Mhm. You know, she's clearly going to the craft store a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yet, you know, they're very normal. They're, like, very, like, wholesome. And yet they let their daughters run around the yard and the neighborhood doing, like, suicide photo shoots. And the girls live in the basement. Yes. Which you can tell from the outside of that house. There are plenty of bedrooms on the normal floors. Mm-hmm. They are choosing to live in the basement. Yeah. And, the and parents, I, I loved, and the parents let them. I love the payoff for the photos thing where they cover yeah. up the, the killing of the girl by pretending that it's another yeah. uh, f- a fake photo they're taking. That was, that was very good. Uh, <laughs> they're also very good at that, Ginger and Bridget. They're, they're, they're very good uh, makeup artists. And they are. Yeah, they do a pretty good job. <laughs> uh, that thing where she's impaled on the fence was very good, was very convincing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's the father is so interesting because he's got like maybe two scenes and he's not given a lot of a lot of stuff to do, nor really should he, because it's not I mean, the story, it's very much a mother daughter kind of story. Yeah. And I almost wish there was a scene with him where he like took one of the girls aside and was just like, listen, if you were like scoring touchdowns or something that I would get I. I, this I don't I just don't get this I just, <laughs> I just don't understand don't what's going on you know like it's he's but even there they they don't they don't uh hit you over the head with it he's just like he's just he's just a dad trying to do his dad thing yep he's got two weird girls that hope he in the back of his head he's like I hope they grow out of this yeah <laughs> well I, I like Whereas I, the I mom, do like the mom makes a uh Congratulations, you got your period cake. Oh <laughs> my god. And it's so weird. It's like covered in dripping red. Yeah, it's uh, like her, cherry sauce or something. Her, she says it's her favorite food, but I mean it's it's a <laughs> giant strawberry shortcake that's just like erupting in strawberry sauce. <laughs> I do, I do love the one scene that the dad sort of gets to have where um the, the mom and the dad are in bed getting ready for bed and, and she's got her curlers on and she's reading some book and um the dad says they're up to something <laughs> and the mom says no you you don't know what do you know they're they're fine they're just going through things and he's like no they're up to something why else would they care what you have to say <laughs> or something like that <laughs> it's just like yep yep that's a, that's a, that's his moment. That's his moment to shine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they, um, there's the I... other, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. The other, uh, great parenting moment is when, um, was it, I think Ginger is, is like freaking out or she's not coming to dinner or something. And the, and the mom's asking what's going on and if she should go and, and talk to her. And Bridget's like, no, she said she thinks it's cool. <laughs> That you yeah. let us figure things out for ourselves. And the mom kind of paused and she goes, oh, 
Well, oh. okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, she thinks I'm she thinks it's cool. Mm. She thinks something I'm doing is cool. Yeah, you can see that in her in her reaction. It's really it's really great. But I I, I was going to say I sort of like I, I I kind of enjoy that the dad isn't more of a character. Mm. Because none of the men, even the teenagers, like none of the male characters are really fully characters. Like the closest you get is Sam, the uh the the drug deal dealer and um horticulturalist. Mm. And <laughs> like, Cherry Hunter. And Cherry Hunter. <laughs> it's too bad he doesn't seem like a cherry hunter he seems like a very nice boy who just happens to also be a drug dealer yeah look it's a home grow facility okay yeah yeah (laughs) nowadays it's legal that's true um but you know he he's he's like half of a character three quarters to a character of a character but the only really like fully fleshed out characters in this movie are female Mm -hmm. which i think is is i think it's interesting and it's a good choice because it's sort of like the mom even in her own weird way kind of understands what the girls are going through Mm. like she doesn't but but she does you know what i mean like there's a connection there yeah you know i i think the one change that i might make and i don't know maybe this would be too much is uh you know as i said as you know when we got into talking about the mom she just kind of disappears she drives uh <laughs> she drives yeah. bridget to the drug dealer halloween party which is hilarious um yep and then she waits in the car while bridget goes in to try and stop ginger or whatever and then maybe like a few minutes later she gets out of the car and goes into the party i assume to try and find bridget and ginger and Uh if i remember correctly that's the last we see of her like she never is the last we see of her yeah she never makes it back to the house or anything and yeah i was thinking maybe it would be too much of a of a break in the action or or wouldn't make a ton of sense because she's not one of the main main characters but it might be it might have been kind of interesting to have her there in some capacity for the climax between ginger and bridget just because mm. there's having that uh the mother character there during this ugly scene with the two sisters who are you know one's turning into a monster the other's going to kill her blah 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 it might have added an interesting dynamic to that whole thing um but maybe maybe that would have been too much because i think the ending works really well yeah, I, so I I see what you're saying, and and I don't think you're wrong, but I think it would really depend on how it was done. And then I think that having the final moments be just Bridget and Ginger, mm-hmm. um, I th- I think that's important because I think it's the two of them both sort of fully becoming who they're gonna be, like fully sure. becoming independent and adults. Even if Ginger is a monstrous wear creature, um, like like her transformation is complete. She is what she is. Right, um, right. And it's that sort of like symbolic, like you're not a, a child anymore. You're an adult now and you need to handle things by yourself sometimes. Right. And I think that's what this whole movie is about, really, is is that sort of transition to realizing that you can't always have just this like one central bond or central relationship in your life and just do everything based off of that that codependency right right yeah and that's that's what i what i it it didn't really hit me until that final scene that that's kind of what more of what the movie is about and i think it's really mm-hmm. effective i thought i thought that final scene with the two of them was was surprisingly effective um yeah. I think you know. Uh, jumping back for a second to the uh, how the male characters are are fairly uh, lightly sketched. I really, yeah. <laughs> I really appreciated the fake out or let's say like sub- subversion of expectations. Having Sam there at the end, uh, yeah, kind of trying to step into the heroic role and then immediately getting torn to shreds because of it. 
Oh, yeah. When he gets pulled out of the closet there, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, no, I, I, I really, I really liked that, that it ended up being, and I think that's more what I mean when I say like that the male characters are sort of secondary. It, mm-hmm. It's, it's that they're not the point. Right. Like, exactly. Yes. Yeah. They, they're not fighting over some guy. Like they, they fight and they lash out at each other through some of the male characters sometimes, mm-hmm. but it's not about chasing down a love interest or you know rescuing your sister from this bad boyfriend or something right, it's right. it's just about the relationship between the two of them which i think is yeah. very it's, unique it's not like it's not like there's a guy in the movie who like turns out to also be a werewolf yeah yeah and, luring, <laughs> and ginger run away together yeah, it's not and, and it's like bridget <laughs> trying to save her from running off with the evil werewolf boy that's not really what yeah. it is uh, yeah, that that's a far lesser movie. Yeah, yeah, and I think the way they handle it is 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 really is really good. And I think, I think maybe if I were to add the mom in at the end, what I might do is save the uh, thing about we'll just burn down the house and and start anew. I think I would save mm. that until she gets there at the end. So it's like she sees what's happening. She sees that her daughter is turned into a giant were monster, and the other one is like bleeding and trying to stab her and stuff. And then yeah. she's like, "This is fine. <laughs> I just want what's yeah. best for you." Something, something like that. And Girl, I don't know. stop fighting. Yeah, but and maybe I don't know. Maybe she gets eaten because of it. Because you know, you got to take the mom out of the equation, so they're really yeah, on their own. or even, or even like if Bridget could find some way to sort of like, oh, and then I locked her in the bathroom and I said, "Mom, I'm sorry, but like I yeah, have to do sure. this." Like. Yeah, like yeah. you could do something like that. Yeah, something like but that. It would uh, at least give us some more closure on like where did she go? <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> where did she end up? But yeah, by the time you get to the end and she and she ends up having to kill her sister, there's just it's a I think it's a really uh effectively sad ending where you you do kind of get this feeling that it is more about these two characters, like you were saying, having to break this codependency that they have. Um, And I think for me anyway, when I got to that point, I was surprised by it. Um, It did, it did land with me a little bit more than I was kind of expecting from a, from a, what if, what if periods meant werewolves kind of log line of a movie, you know? (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's something about this movie that, it's almost kind of tough for me to watch it sometimes because I actually do think it gets how, you know, I, I don't know. Hopefully things are better nowadays for mm-hmm. all teenagers. I doubt that they are, but I wish that they were. <laughs> um, but, you know, you know, being being a preteen and a teenager in the late 90s into the early to mid 2000s, like there's something in this movie that captures what it was like to be a teenage girl in that period very, Mm -hmm. very well, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And it has to do with, I would, I could narrow it down to maybe, maybe two things. Um, if you, if you pay attention, the way that the sisters talk about other girls, about being a girl, Mm -hmm. about periods, about all of that stuff, it is like so negative and so disdainful. Mm. um yeah definitely like yeah like like bridget says to ginger at one point something like along the lines of uh there's something wrong with you besides just being female right right and then it's like there's all this talk about like you know how many times do they use like you bitch you're Mm -hmm. such a girl like all of these things that are like feminine gendered insults and it's and it's the girls throwing them back and forth at each other and at themselves. Right. It's right. it's not men doing it to them. It's them it's like they've so deeply internalized like all of this rhetoric. I mean, they even call getting their period the curse. Right, right. And that I mean, I I for one very much relate to to being a teenage girl and like having those feelings and talking that way about being a girl. Mm. Um and the other thing I would say, not not to go on forever, is that um, 
that super intense kind of codependent relationship between Ginger and Bridget is very, very familiar to me. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I, have, I grew up with brothers, so I, I do not have a sister. But I had one or two friends, like best friends, when I was younger. Mm. Like, like, you know, say like 15 and younger. Where we got so codependently attached to one another that it definitely got unhealthy. Right, right. And so I can, yeah, I can just, it, it's, it's, it strikes so many, like, the intensity of female friendships and how they can be, like, full of so much love and yet so much animosity. And you can, like, tear each other down like nobody else in this moment where you're both really vulnerable. And right. so, I, yeah, this, this movie kind of hits me where it hurts sometimes. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and just to me uh, mention the kind of the difference between how they, they treat the genders again, um, you're saying how the, the girls are very mean to each other and very uh, a aggressive overall. The guys mm -hmm. in this movie aren't really aggressive. Like, they're not, from, at least from what I remember anyway, they're, they're not, like, really mean to the girls. They're kind of creepy, and they're definitely trying to, like, you know... <laughs> yeah get handsy with them and stuff and they're they're being kind of lewd but they're not they're not like um they're not getting like physical with them they're they're not threatening violence or anything like that all of that intense stuff is coming from the other girls yeah yeah the only time that um any of the boys get that aggressive is oh god the the, ki the kid who's becoming a werewolf mhm mm and it's only because he's becoming a werewolf. Like, right, right. His character before and after that is not... If anything, like, the scene where he and Ginger have sex can very easily be read as, as a scene where she rapes him. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Because he's saying, like, slow down, stop. Like, what are you doing? And mm -hmm. she's just like, shut up and take it, essentially. Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's it, that's an interesting reversal where it's like because the aggression is coming from her, it just complicates like the whole the whole movie. Like this this movie would be really really different if it were about two brothers. Oh, absolutely, yeah, definitely. Um, my I think with that in mind, my favorite scene or two scene back to back, uh, you know, whatever is um after is when she uh the the bridget is fashioning the belly button ring out of silver and yeah. ginger is they're having this like really dark frank discussion about what it means uh about what the sex was like and how it was terrible and that it's mm. just going to she's just going to become like a punchline and it's 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 this really uh, troubling breakdown of of what happened, and then like immediately yeah. the next scene is the guy coming to school covered <laughs> in sores and cuts, yeah. bleeding from yeah. the dick, and they're yeah, like kind of limping. They're like, "What happened?" And he's like, <laughs> "She rocked my world, man!" And it's like high five, yeah. high five, high five, and it's like, "Yeah, that's that seems right." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, cuz cuz it is this like like and Ginger even kind of says it that um you know, oh he's going to say, you know, that I'm he, I'm just a lay now because mm -hmm. that's what he's going to say. Mm -hmm. And Bridget says like, "Well, you can say say the same thing back." And she's mm -hmm. like, "That's not how it works." Right, right. Like she could have walked around being like, "Yeah, I kicked the shit out of him and then I raped him." And everybody would be like, "No, you can't rape a you can't rape a boy." Right, like right. it. It's just that kind of attitude towards it. Yeah, I th um, that that scene to me was a really, really good, um, a really honest depiction of of that kind of scenario inside of a genre movie, which I think is when stuff like this just like is firing all on all cylinders, where it's like, yeah, you've got it's it's werewolf stuff, but what they're talking about is actually a really uh, honest and applicable to real life stuff and it's just it's all just you know meshing together really well yeah and and the, and the thing that this movie does that i find really impressive beyond the stuff we've already talked about 
maybe we've touched on it a little bit, is that it does still have a sense of humor. Oh, definitely. Yes. Yeah. Like there are still funny lines and funny moments and like points where you can laugh out loud, even though it's dealing with like really heavy shit yeah. through the whole movie. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Any any movie where you're turning into a werewolf has to have at least a little bit of self-awareness of what you're doing because it's yeah it's uh, it, you can go too far though because my i love the howling um and i think mm. the howling has a pretty nice uh balance of that stuff one of the reasons i really don't care for american werewolf in london is because i think it's too yeah. tongue-in-cheek like the entire soundtrack yeah. to that movie is just every version of uh, blue moon that they could find and it's like, yeah, okay, I get it. It's, it's like it got. It's to the point where it feels like the people making it feel like they think they're making a silly movie, um, which yeah. you know, is I. I feel like you got to commit, commit to the bit, as they say. Yeah. Um, speaking of music, uh, mm. I I don't know about you, but I am so happy that there are no songs from the era in this movie. Like it, it's not like uh, uh, the usual kind of teen thriller movie from the mid to late '90s, where it's got like a bunch of no name alt rock bands doing stuff. Yeah. You know, I I I really <laughs> like that they were they didn't have enough money to afford actual songs, and they were just using like score music because I think it it stops it from being really really dated. Yeah, it it does, but there's still some of that sort of music of the era oh, definitely yes mixed in there here and there which isn't it's it's not bad you know like it was made when it was made and it's a teen movie kind of like you know it takes place in a high school to, to to try to avoid anything that even sounded reminiscent of pop music mm-hmm. would have been kind of difficult to do in this movie but yeah there. Like I said, one of my things for this movie was um, aggressively '90s styling. Yes, and yeah. I think I think that applies to like haircuts, oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. outfits, the music, like especially especially those three goons who remind me so much of. Um, did you watch Daria? Yes, not not a lot, but I did. Yes. Well, do you remember uh, Daria's younger sister, Quinn, uh, who was like the pretty one? She wore like a little pink T-shirt and was like very popular. Very, very vaguely. Uh, so, Well, so I bring Quinn up because three guys followed Quinn around like lost puppy dogs trying to like get her to date any one of them. Oh, I just I just looked her up. I do remember that character. Yes. Yeah. And there, there are these three dudes who just follow her everywhere she goes. And that's yep, what yep. those those three guys on the bleachers remind me so much of them. And that is just so, you know, the year 1999 to me. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> big, big jeans with cargo pockets. Yeah. A t-shirt with an unbuttoned button down to short, short sleeve shirt over it. Yes. Yes. That's it. That was a big one. <laughs> Lots of big, big, big clothes back then. Big clothes, big clothes. Uh, but yeah, the music was, um, it, I, I w- went back and forth on it because I was thinking the same thing as you were, where it's like some of it is feels like it's of of the era type music where it's like, I, it sounds like it should be in an, in an anti-smoking ad from like 1997, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like yeah. faux techno stuff. Yeah. Um, but when it went more, oh, God. when it went more like traditional kind of score sounding, I thought that stuff was actually really yeah. nice. Uh, the music was done by a guy named Mike Shields, who also did the music for uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, um, ah. as well as a bunch of other stuff. Uh, he looks like he does a lot, a lot of work in Canada, so unsurprisingly, <laughs> Canadian composer. Um, yeah, I think I think that's that's it, except for uh, placement. This was number. What did I say? Uh, One thirty-one on the list. Do you feel like it deserves its place? Would you move it higher? Would you move it lower? Would you take it off and switch it with something? I I always need to clarify this. When we when we say higher, we mean in the number range, right? Yeah, higher as in closer to number one. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would I would maybe bump it a little bit lower. Yeah. 
not not by a ton, but but maybe a little bit. Like if it were a little closer to like one fifty, I I probably would have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more... I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the uh the the test that we've been doing since then, which is I look <laughs> at a few of the movies that are rated lower yeah. than it, and yes, it definitely should be lower. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is two spots higher than the thing, and oh, uh, it is uh, ten spots higher than the omen. And uh, yeah, I think those two things for me is it, that's definitely a might need to rethink the placement on that one. Yeah, yeah, I I think this one coasts into its spot via its sort of like cult status. Sure. Yeah. You know, where where it wasn't really, like, a huge hit when it came out, but ever since then, there are people who have, like, a deep, deep affection for it, mm. um, and very few detractors. Like, I, I don't often hear, like, negative things about this movie. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I When people bring it up, they usually do it, uh, bring it up in a positive manner. And not to, not to belabor my point of what, is, what <laughs> might become the theme of this show... Yeah. But um, <laughs> I think Ginger Snaps is very much in the same vein as Starry Eyes, where I think mm. it's like, right, I think those are in the same same box, you know, at the video store that they're going to be in yeah. the same shelf for me, yeah. in, at my video store, which is very idiosyncratically uh, organized. <laughs> Clay's video store. Yeah, you won't be able to find anything because the, the, the order system is very specific. Um. <laughs> The but, entire decor is just the Black Lodge from Twin Peaks. I, that, that sounds good to me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I feel, like it's, I feel like it's one where it definitely deserves to be on there, but I would mm-hmm. probably put it a little bit lower. Like it's, it's, a really good, it's a really good bench player, to use a, a sports yeah. analogy. You know, it's like, it's not, it's not, it's not a heavy hitter. It's not. A, it's not. You know, your leadoff guy. But it's like it's. You've got him in there for when you need him. It's a. It's a good. It's a good player to have on the team. Yeah, yeah. I. I, I would agree. I don't. I don't think it shouldn't be on the list. But I don't think it should be, like, higher than one fifty. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. Um. Yeah. I think that's gonna do it for Ginger Snaps. Uh. Yeah. Our next movie. Uh, we are on our, will be our 10th episode, which means we are going yes. wild on the fives, as they say on dun, Yacht dun, Rock. Dun. Uh, and Amanda, Amanda has, a, has, is, it's Amanda's choice to pick the movie this time. So what do you got for us, Amanda? Well, I, I just went through a moment of pure paranoia where I went, I checked that that's not on the list, right? How is that not on the list? Mm. Is, is it? So I'm, I'm quadruple checking in this moment. And it is not. Uh, I would like us to do the innkeepers. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Ty West. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's uh, his movie. He did before that. Um, House of the Devil is is mm-hmm. on the list. That's number one nineteen. Yes. So we'll get to that eventually. You have not seen House of the Devil, right? I have not seen House of the Devil. No. Ooh, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I I think I think I would like to do the innkeepers. And that's a, how would you describe The Innkeepers for anyone who hasn't seen it? It is a movie that feels like it's going to be a sort of more traditional haunted house movie. Mm-hmm. And then turns into something else. Okay. I, I feel like I could describe, like, I don't want to say too much. Sure, sure. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, yeah, that's gonna do it for Ginger Snaps, and next time we'll be back with our uh, wild card pick, uh, the Innkeepers. So uh, if you enjoyed the show, please rate us or review us on iTunes. That would be amazing. And uh, until next time, plug in a sign off that I haven't thought of. <laughs> Bye, everybody. See you guys. Bye.